we're just going to do this tonight. Right. You're going to take it very well. No screaming. Right. Not this time. Not this time. I, I'm worn yeah. out enough for it. Yeah. Welcome to the Edge of the Headlights podcast. My name is Rob, and sitting across from me wearing a seductive black teddy is my good friend Marty. How are we doing tonight, Marty? Oh, man. Fuck this place. Uh, no, it's... Uh, I'm okay. Outside is shit. Uh, it's hot, humid, gross, and we haven't even hit June yet as we're recording this. Yeah. Uh, oh, happy belated Memorial Day. Hopefully everybody kept right. their fingers... And everybody yeah, knows what Memorial Day is about all those vets, the ones that died for our freedom. Just remember that. Right. No, it's, you know, it's, it's hot. It, it's gross. It, it's fucking disgusting. It's, I hate this shit. It, it's worse because I have a young child. No. He's like, I gotta be outside. I'm like, you're, the kid comes in and he's just drenched oh, in yeah, sweat. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, why do you say inside, cool down a little bit, right? and say, Take a break. No, people are outside playing. I'm like, they're at T-ball. You're not at T-ball. Yeah, right. Just sit inside the house, veg. Just stay here and do what you got to do, man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I was at uh, swung in the grocery store, which I wasn't going to do, but somebody was like, are you going to the store? <sighs> Fuck, I, I guess. What do you need? And then, yeah, the kid just got on. I mean, I think he's a high school kid still, so he's out of school at this point. So he's like, oh, I got big plans tonight. I'm like, no, not really. Hey, you're gonna gonna go uh, hang out outside? I was like, "Fuck no! Why would I do that, dude? I've been in this hot shit all day." <laughs> I'm like, "No, I, I don't believe in sitting outside in the summer because no, to hell with that. I've been in the hot. If I sat in an air conditioning all day, maybe I'd be like, ah, I'm gonna come outside for a while. No, it, it's fuck that. I, I work in an easy bake oven with all the doors open, and it's hot and humid and it's gross. And it's like, no, I, I pay for AC." I'm gonna fucking use it. I mean, I'm not sitting outside. I, I don't tell, believe just in that. tell us how you really feel, Marty. Because right, that is that is my feelings on summer and hot and fuck that. It's nice to look out and go, oh, oh yeah, that's really nice out. Plus, the grass. You want to go do something? No, no, I don't want to go out. And the grass grows so damn fast. I really <sighs> do hate that. Now we're sound like a couple old men. Right, no, but I'm, we are so. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, like I say, a couple weeks ago, Chloe was like, oh, look how nice a grass green growing. And I'm like, no, fucking let it die off. I'm fine with yellow lawn. I don't really care. What do you care if it's green, Chloe? You don't go outside either. You know, it's your walk to the car to go to work and back. That's, you don't go outside. should tell her to go more if she likes it so much. Right. You want to hang out out there, be my guest. With all the, the ticks out there this year already, Yeah. be my guest, man. It's, it's all you to go sit out there. No. Well, as of recording this on 5-31-23, can you tell me what happened majorly in the news today, Marty? No. I honestly couldn't tell you anything. It has to deal with NASA. NASA. Couldn't tell you anything happened in the news. NASA today. had its live UFO exp- thing. Today. Oh, really? A symposium? Yeah, or? and I watched it. I, I, well, I got like an hour left of it. And, yeah, I'm not highly impressed with them guys at all. Because they got all types of dumb shit going on. But they're experts. Experts at bullshitting. Where do you think you're going? Well, I took a few notes while listening to these right. intelligent people, and this is what they commonly said. This is why we have the intelligence quote agency. Well, there's actually a guy there from Homeland Security as part of this 16 people panel. Which makes sense, I guess. I mean, it is Homeland. Basically, Security. it's kind of, it's really kind of funny because I listened to it, 
And I'm like writing down these words, like he's always like saying, "Oh, these are ghost images." I'm like, "Okay." Oh, um, the the new tech, uh, yeah. swamp gas, really, yep. and uncalibrated equipment. That's why I wasn't reading some of these right. And the funny thing about FRB's fast radio burst, yeah, I heard about this a couple weeks ago, but I didn't think they would say anything. It's like, oh yeah, they they these they all these fast radio bursts they're finding is from somebody opening a microwave while it's running. That's what? what? Basically, if you know, like when you run a microwave and yeah. you're like two seconds left, and you just open the door because you don't want to hear that annoying ding. That's what causing is causing a lot of FRBs in some of these places. It, why have we not come across these multiple times? Before? But this, this he brings it up now, but it was mentioned like I remember reading an article about right. three weeks earlier. But he's like, yeah, all these FRBs, some of them are just from somebody opening a microwave. I'm like. That's a lot of goddamn microwaves open all at once, especially well, yeah, in a lab. You'd think this would be something we would have picked up, because microwaves <coughs> have been pretty common. Common, I will say since the 80s. They've been around since before that, but they were super expensive. Uh, but by the mid-late 80s, almost every house has had a fucking microwave. Yeah. I, um, I, I don't know. That's what he said. Uh, no, I, I will go back to uh, this is their new tech version of swamp gas and, and Venus reflections. Uh, wow. But then they had this guy from AARO. I can't remember whatever the new mm-hmm. APRO or Arrow. Yep. And he actually had, he was actually saying, hey, we need to do this stuff. Because you brought up that recent video that came by with that metal sphere flying through the air. Have you seen that video? Oh, yep, 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 yep. And they're like, we don't know what this is. But then right. instantly, they caught this. I didn't know who this guy was at first. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And I'm like, watch it. Then he says, then I look up the name on the internet, and this is the Homeland Security guy going, well, are you sure your stuff was calibrated correctly and it's just not an artifact of the video? I'm like watching the video. I've seen the video a hundred times. I'm like, it's from a drone. And I'm like, if you don't have that calibrated, you're right. screwed. Right. Because uh, it's just locking on to something that's probably flying behind it or beneath yep. it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Just throw the, the whatever it's excuses out. Then they had, uh, they're actually talking about, I'm really scared about this, they're talking about u- using AI tech to possibly identify objects in the future. No. That's, <laughs> that's not good because that gives them, if they actually do see something, and they can put it out and they're like, oh, our AI was wrong. They, can, they have an excuse. You oh, don't want excuses oh, yeah. built into your system already. Right. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's exactly what that is. It's a built-in excuse to try to uh, pass everything on. Because then it was mentioned further on in, in this three-hour thing. I think it's four hours. I've got three hours down. <sighs> but he's like, this other Homeland Security guy was emphasizing. He's like, well, how did, can we set up like parameters to use on this AI? So he's kind of trying to push for that. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure like, why would you push for something that's still not feasible to use? Right. And you give it false readings, and you can turn around and say, hey, that's not real, and it's actually is real. It's just, it's, it's like Project Blue Book all over again. Oh, But more oh, technical. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. And it's more in public sight. Yeah, no, it's definitely a, a the modern age uh, of Blue Book. Eesh. Yeah, because they also changed the meaning of UAP. It's oh, like, really? yeah, because like it's uh, unidentified, anomalous P. I don't know what the P stands for. 
phenomenon. Phenomenon, yeah. But it also does doesn't like they went. It went from unidentified aerial phenomenon. Right. Now it's an anomalous one, so it can cover space and underwater. So that tells me, in a roundabout way, they're seeing them a lot more in space, and they're noticing them a lot more in water. Right. They're very well aware that they're in water. I, I'm not completely opposed to the uh, changing of that definition. A lot of times when they change an definition, it's to, again, build in a, an excuse a backdoor out of uh, questions. See, I could tell you know, that, that Homeland Security guy, he was trying to build in like them backdoors, oh, like you're oh, just yeah, saying. He's like, yeah. well, what if we do this? But this is all disciplinary stuff. The report isn't coming out till July. Right. So they just have to get the parameters of what their search are going to be doing. Then the July, they get to lie to us more and say, this is what we did or did not find. Right. And the worst part is we'll have a month of, of people online Screaming! Finally, we're getting disclosure. You no, know, you're not, we did folks. this again a, a year ago, guys. Uh, this will be a more, uh, I would imagine, detailed uh, 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 release of nothing. Yeah. Uh, than the last <laughs> one, which was a lot of vague uh, shit. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be a lot more detailed of telling you nothing. Yeah, cause um, I'm going to watch the last hour probably tonight on YouTube. Right. And then just to give my final judgment on it, because I, there's already people arguing in the comments on this live oh, video. Oh, I could imagine. I'm like, really, dudes? It's like, this is just, a, I understand it's just a preliminary. They're trying to get the parameters because they want to elevate this to a scientific view. Right. But there's people arguing there, I was abducted. I know there's aliens. Because one guy actually came out and said, we're 99%. He says, we're pretty sure this is not from another planet. But then he turns around and says, he's like, does the whole turnaround? He's like, well, we need to search our solar system for alien artifacts on different planets. Right. I'm like, uh, why, well, why, why, why would you say that? Well, see, here here again, it goes into how are you describing alien. Um, I, I have a feeling that we probably are right with some of our theories that they are not from another planet. No. It does not make them not alien to us. Um, I, I would not be that surprised... If they are advanced and hopping in and out, like like we believe, they're they're hopping in and out of a, a alternate timeline or dimension. Yes, um, it would make sense to me that they would have shit possibly set up on Io, other planets in our solar system. Yeah, is that way you can do that still without taking the hundreds and hundreds of years it takes to go to another galaxy. Yep, uh, you could already like in your timeline, you could already destroy. Oh, we've mined Saturn, and it's pretty much oh, done. Yeah. Let's go to the... Hey, well, wait, we got these other Saturns that can use. Same wait thing. a minute, Here, here's another Jupiter. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Their storm's smaller than ours was. Yeah. We fucked that one up, so <laughs> let's do this. Or maybe that's the reason there is a storm on Jupiter that already fucked it up. Right, right. I, I still go back to like the, the 2010 thing, where it's you know just becomes overrun with the... the uh, Monoliths? Monoliths. I was yeah. thinking obelisk, but it's monoliths. Monolith. Obelisk is more like the elites. Yeah. 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 But like that kind of led me down the road, too. Is like I just got to watching a documentary, Apollo 1 through 11. Oh, yes. I watched that last week. Dude, we got. See, folks, I'm serious. It's, Me and Marty end up watching the same things on Tubi, and we don't even talk about it. Like, right. We don't tell each other. Like, occasionally I'll tell you to watch one, but like, documentary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really damn there, good. There were a lot of them, actually, in the last month or so where it's like, oh, you need to watch this. I'm, oh, yeah, I did. I just watched that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> there was another one the other day, too. 
I don't remember what it was. Uh, we mentioned something last week. I can't. Uh, we talked about something, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, actually, I did just watch that this morning. Uh, it was really good." Yeah. But that Apollo one through eleven, then all the moon really structures. Fascinating. It is. I'm have to watch it again tonight. When we yeah. Recording. Well, I was I was uh, kind of dozing in and out while I was trying to watch. I got through solidly the first half. And the other half, I was kind of in and out, so it's like I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch the last half of this. But yeah, no, it was, it's really interesting. I, I was not sure going into it. Like we've said before, Tubi is a great place to find paranormal documentaries. It is also a place you have to sift through horrible dog shit as well because they will throw anything on there. They don't care. We should make like, a documentary yeah, and put it on there. Oh yeah, no, we could. We could shoestring budget. You could put go it all go on hook there. yourself on the corner and get us some money. You're the better looking one. Right, right. I got accused at work. We got ten cents, man. I got accused of at work of being a big. Do I look intimidating? I don't think I. You could. Sometimes I think uh, the attitude that you portray could. What be attitude? Intimidating. Uh, I don't want to say attitude. The <laughs> fucking aura. Because like a lot of people are like that with me before they know me. It's like if I'm out in public, I'm not like I normally am with friends. I am, friends? I'm a bit more. I know I, oh, I yeah. pay people, but uh, no, because I am a bit standoffish. Because I am always constantly watching around me, be like, okay, is shit gonna go down and something happening? And and it it's called comes paranoia. Off, it, paranoia is not paranoia when it's justified, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, no, they the uh, a lot of people be like, oh man, he seems really scary and shit. And it's like, no, I'm a giant fucking idiot. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, sometimes you have that that aura around you that I do have a good resting bitch face. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I've been told that. Uh, are you mad? I'm like, no, I'm just not smiling. Why are you smiling? Because it hurts my face. Right. <laughs> sometimes even smiling makes my face ache. But like back on the moon, like I'm sorry, folks. So we're, yeah, we're, we're all we're, over we're getting there, into right? it. But on this moon, they had showed all them, like the spire and yeah. this other random shit. Guess who that led me to? Stanley Kubrick. Segway, huh. segway, because we got a Stanley <laughs> Kubrick card. And how he faked Just like landing. Paul Blart, man. We've got segways. Is it? Well, yeah, that's what they're called, aren't they? I was wondering what the little wheelie things are called. They're like mopeds or something. But tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about the infamous Stanley Kubrick. Right. Uh, it is kind of a, a somewhat off from our normal, yeah. but not. Because uh, a lot of the theories around some of his stuff really zip into the exact things we talk about. Yeah. Uh, but no, dude is was fascinating. Yeah, like a two hundred IQ. The guy's a genius. Yeah, he, he was certified genius. Uh, and and, and just, an asshole, from whatever he says. But he says well, part of that it comes from the way he does things. He was known as being really hard to work for, but yet people, actors, and that signed up to try to be in his films. Uh, only did thirteen movies. And like two or three documentary series type things he had done. Yep. Um, yeah, starting back in 52, his first film came out. And that was uh, Fear and Desire. Uh, Not Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. No, no. Uh, which is really good. I love that movie. But yeah, he had uh, Killer's Kiss, which came out in 55, The Killing in 56, Paths of Glory in 57. Uh, and these are his first early work stuff. Uh, really hadn't. 
really mastered down what he became known for with his angles and just weird stuff. But subject-wise, they were very Kubrick. It was anti-war type films. Uh, some of them borderline almost noir. Yeah. But with his own political take on things. Uh, it wasn't until... And I didn't even know that was his film until I was much older. Uh, Spartacus was his oh, yeah. big first film, which kind of put him on the map. Um, major, major film. Got a lot of uh, spotlight put on him because of how well this film did. And it is gorgeously shot, even for being as old as it is. It's a really good movie, man. It's a fantastic film. Uh, the next one that came out, because that one, Spartacus, came out in 1960. <laughs> 62 <laughs> is when he did his version of Lolita, which was based off the book, which was already a controversial book. Yeah. Uh, this one kind of cemented him immediately as, like, he will shoot... Whatever he needs to shoot. Yeah, controversial shit. Yeah. He's not afraid of shying away from it. And kind of altering some of the stuff to what he wants to say. Um, and then came probably his super biggest... Controversial film ever. Oh, it was very controversial. <laughs> but it really was the one that cemented his place as being a brilliant filmmaker, which is Dr. Strangelove. Uh, I never actually saw that till I was in my 20s. Fantastic goddamn film. I can honestly say I've never seen that. Really, it is such a, a fun satire on war and and it pissed a lot of people off uh, I came out 64 uh, a lot of people were angry with that movie uh, with just the, the, the subject in it but uh, at, at this point is where you start having actors that are coming out with stories of how hard he is to work for because he is he because of his brilliance and how he did things he wanted things exact. He is very anal, we can say that. <laughs> yes. Uh, every little detail is plotted out in his films. Every little placement of coffee cups, which is important when there's you a, get into There's actually notorious stuff. rumors about one of his movies, we'll mention it later on, right. where he had his film crew, go, film crew go out for three weeks to the same street yeah. and measure the distance from the street to the mailbox. Yeah. And so he knew exactly where everything was at, like window placement, how high up, top, yep. bottom. He just basically architect the whole street for his shot, the shot that took like two minutes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, it is what he was known for. He, he was a very big stickler for detail. He wanted shots done how he wanted them. And the other thing that kind of did make him famous was the, the framing of, of angles that he did with his shots was not your typical Hollywood style. He would do oddball angles of stuff, and it would just come out absolutely gorgeous. And it's just people had not seen some of this before. Um, and then you get, because yeah, pretty much everything after Strangelove is pretty much very famous, well-known films. Every one of them has done well. Because right after that is 2001, his, his sci-fi masterpiece. masterpiece. Uh, Unreal. Some of the effects, considering this was done in '69, it came out in '70. That is when it got released. But uh, some of the effects he did, like the beginning, the the 
the space station walk yep. with things floating. And it was done with all practical because CG did not exist. But the way it was shot and the way it was done, people watching it in theaters and in 69 and shit are like, is he actually How in space? are they doing this? See, that it is... was so good. Yeah. So absolutely. Especially to see one of the girls walking upside down yes. on the screen and that part of it's rotating. Yeah. And she's walking, like I said, her pen is like floating up and she catches it. And you're not, just like, just like a quick grab, just like. No, it's like, holy shit, how did they do this? And it blew people's freaking mind. And then you get to the end of the film where it's just a, a massive acid head trip for yeah. like 20 straight fucking minutes. And people are just like, walked out of the theaters going, what the hell did we just watch? Like we A masterpiece. This is insane. Like I said, I think I mentioned before, I hated this movie when I was little. Yes. Because I didn't... I can honestly going. say, when I was like, I saw it first time, I was like 15 right. or 16. I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. Yeah, see, I watched it before. I was still in grade school the first time I watched it, but this was also, by the time I saw it, post-Star Wars. Yeah. So all my sci-fi, I wanted like, oh, where's things going on? It's crazy. And there's not. It's a lot of talking. And there's really cool... As a kid, I realized how good visually it looked because it's like, holy crap. Because I didn't realize it was as old as it was till I was older myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, that came out in 69? Are you goddamn kidding me? Well, let's go back and look at uh, what other sci-fi was coming out in 69 and none of it looked this good. How did he pull this off? Uh, but yeah, as I got older and went back and watched it again, to really sit back and realize how fucking incredible that film is. Every shot is perfection. I mean, it is so incredibly good. I had um, a note here somewhere about how much it cost, and it was just for that. For then, it was considered an exorbitant amount of money. To right. Pay. But still, if you're collecting royalties off it today. Yeah. You've made your money back. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, unreal. Uh, but just how good that movie is. You, you'll see through his career, uh, as as time went on, it was longer and longer in between films. Because I think it took him... There, there were countless movies he actually had scripted out that he wanted to do, but just never did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, what was it? After 2001... Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange, yes. I should know. Uh, I've seen that movie, folks. I actually have a tattoo on my back. Right. It, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, it, it's. But it's it's funny, like, with Stanley, it's either you know what Stanley Kubrick movies are. Right. Because when I got that tattoo, it's, like, that big. Yeah, it's good size. And the guy's like, what is this? I'm like, dude, if you have this in your tattoo parlor and you don't even know what it is. Really? Yeah. I guess to me, it's so it's, weird. I can't remember the guy right top of my head, the guy right. Derby. Uh, the main character. And I got him on my back. Alex. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, "Oh no, I just somebody just I just thought it looked cool." I'm like, "Dude, this is from Clockwork Orange." This is a a master to me. That that's a a. It's such a known film. Even if you've never seen it, it's a sim- I, the you, symbolism you know of it. Yeah. That oh, that's from Clockwork Orange. I knew what it was years before I had even seen the movie. Yeah. I was like, oh, from that's from that Clockwork Orange movie I want to watch. It's supposed to be really fucked up. It is. And as, as a kid, I was like, I want to see things that are fucked up. And yeah, I think the first time I saw it was probably senior, junior in high school, so the early 90s. And yeah, I was... Dramatized? <laughs> disturbed by some of it. I was just like, holy shit. Well, it threw me But out. when it was done, I was like... 
I really liked that. I, I don't know if I want to watch it right away again. It's hard to watch. Like but you can't I, watch it one. Like some people no. watch. Like hey, I watch oh, this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And next, hey, tomorrow I watch this. This guy, you gotta let it, it get out of your mind first. Oh yeah, because it gotta, does. You have to give it a couple months for it. There are individual it. scenes, even that aren't implicitly. It, none of it's really gory, but it's just there's a pervasive violence and just awfulness in, yeah. in some of this film. But there again, you, you have that juxtaposition of Kubrick's beautiful lighting sets shots that are just fucking art yeah then you have but the horrible things are happening in that that's that stage scene of of absolutely gorgeous cinematography and, and with kubrick too you always got to watch the background there's more oh, yeah, there's there may be somebody going in the front talking or whatever talk about talking heads but you always got to watch what's in the background because yeah. that's where the real story is yeah he, he's always got little even just little nods to things there's actually in a, a record store scene where alex goes in to look for new music the soundtrack to 2001 is sitting up on the counter back behind him yeah. if you're not paying attention because I, I never saw it the first couple times i watched it it wasn't until i was watching it like a third or fourth time i was like I wonder, wonder, just out of nostalgia of, you know, early 70s, what albums they got in here? I was like, that looks like 2001. It is. It's the goddamn soundtrack. Oh, you sneaky, self-promoting bastard. Yeah, no, fantastic. We went from Clockwork Orange and his next one was Shining, wasn't it? Barry Lyndon, which is a movie, the only movie of his I actually have never seen. I never even heard of it until you did this research. I've never seen it. All the others, even the older ones, I've actually seen those films. Uh, but yeah, it's the only one I had never actually seen. Uh, and and like a lot of people, even uh, Kubrick scholars, because yes, he is important enough that there are multitudes of people. That's all they do is study his films over and over again. Say so basically, it, it's what happens when a director is doing a movie, but he's bored with it but he's contractually obligated to finish this movie. Uh, it's actually based off of an older book. Uh, it actually does get really high ratings. Yeah, it's, uh, I got it right here. It's the acclaimed adaptation of William Makepeace, Thack- William Makepeace Thackeray's novel in which a likable young Irish changes into a conniving, manipulative rogue. The protagonist finds, herself, finds himself homeless after taking part in a fake duel and is then captured by a Prussian highwayman and meet up with a spy, but his fortune changed when he marries a wealthy titled woman in order to secure his future. And I mean, it, it's it's something I would it's like a period watch. piece. I don't yeah, think it is very much a period piece. But like like a lot of people said, it's it's a very slow, plotting film. Uh, again, it's the only one of his movies that even movies he's just been tied with that I have not seen and had never even heard of really until a little while ago yeah. I was like oh I didn't know about this because then he, he uh, a couple of years later is when because yeah 75 is when Barry Lyndon came out uh, 80 is when The Shining which a lot of people consider his full masterpiece uh, unless you're Stephen King and you hate the fucking thing and me uh, I, hear me alright recording's done it, right. we're done hear me out I am on the side of Stephen King on this uh, because calling it Stephen King's The Shining is a slap in the fucking face. Um, okay. It is. I'll agree with you there. Right, and which which irritates me with the film, because the only similarity really is characters, the, names. the Torrance family, and the Overlook Hotel. Everything else has been changed in it. Um, and and yeah, I was 
as a horror film and psychological crazy melting pot, fucking brilliant. I, I can't argue how good the movie is as Kubrick's Shining, I, I refer to it. Did you catch all the weird siblings? Because we're, we're talking quite a bit about the Shining right. in this episode. but Because I watched Room 237. Yes. And I could notice this before, but I never knew what it meant. So they probably not because you just see the part like the, the car the Torrances took up there was a yellow box. Yes. And they go up to the mountains and on the way there you see a semi crushing a red bug, right? Yes. That's what color Stephen King had his vehicle in. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so Co- right off the bat, Kubrick was kicking him in the dick. Oh yeah. He he basically in in my opinion, and, and I think this is a fact, I don't know what story he was trying to tell. Uh, but he needed something that would be recognizable to get people to go see it and then tell his own tale. Yeah. Uh, is really what it was. And it was and at that point Stephen King was still just getting fresh and hot in in you know big 77 basically is when they were trying to get this thing pushed. Carrie had just came out and it had become a big hit. Uh, the Shining book had gone to number 1 at that point. And those were kind of his two big Christine. at the time. Uh, Christine hadn't even come out yet. Oh, that was it? 80, early 80. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, those were his two big... Uh, Salem's Lot, Carrie... Which was terrible. Uh, I love Salem's Lot. They're remaking it. Yeah, yeah, third time. Oh. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a third time. I've enjoyed every one of the, the film versions. I've only seen the one. Salem's Lot. But they don't... None of them, again, come you close know, to how good You know what scene sticks out to me most in the Salem the, Lot? The kid in the window? No. I say, that's the usually guy, the one that terrifies me. No, what sticks out to me most is the guy, was the main character is a librarian. Yeah. And he's yelling at this girl because she dog-deers her books. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? How, what? Yeah, you should be yelling, fuck you, don't do that to your book. Yeah, she dog-ears and she's, yeah. she's, she's chewing his ass. And I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, at this point, Stephen King was... A hot new author coming out. He isn't like now where we've had decades of of hits and then movies and shows that have been made from his hit books. Uh, he was still relatively new and didn't have a lot of pull in Hollywood. Yeah. And so they were giving him the checks like, yeah, Stanley Kubrick guy did, you know, Clockwork Orange and all this stuff is going to do your movie. And he was all fucking psyched for it. He's like, oh, hell yeah. Well, then they do it. And he's just like... This is not my book. What have you done to my book? Uh, but yeah, that was... And, and I think Kubrick knew from the get-go that's what he was going to do with it. Uh, and which is why they do have that little nod from the Volkswagens. Uh, yeah, because like even this I'm going to change of what you had in your book. It's the same car, but I refuse to do the same color you had in your book. Yeah. And, and it, it, King got pretty pissed off about it. Uh, to this day, as far as I know, he's he, still he, better. He is. <laughs> uh, like I said, I, I I I get it, and it does piss me I, off. I thought maybe I thought Stephen King during his coke phase would have probably forgot about this, <laughs> right? Or after he got hit by a car, and or he thought he was going to be attacked but, by the dinosaurs in his basement. Right. Which, hey, I I agree with that fear as well. But yeah, no, uh, Kubrick knew from the get go he was going to do something different with this. Uh, like I said, as, as a straight-up psychological and horror film of Kubrick's vision, it's flawless. It, it's a phenomenal film. Calling it Stephen King's The Shining pisses me off, because uh, <laughs> it's not. But because uh, that's a brilliant book as well. It's a fantastic... Oh, yeah. It was basically a nerd nod to uh, Shirley Jackson's horror books from before, uh, and that's kind of was his version of 
a haunted house story like she has done. Uh, Is that yeah. like Rose Red? Yeah, Rose Red. I I, I love that. That's good. They should. They should. It was a really good miniseries. Yeah, for was, TV miniseries. Yeah, TV miniseries. Uh, it was really done well. Yeah, and it, oh, you bitch. Oh, she fart? Or that, you just, that was just No, you. that's Don't not. You'll hear me, man. You'll Don't hear me. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, she's been doing this. Hang on, folks. We got to air out the rope. Yeah. <laughs> no, fuck it. We'll just go. No, it's uh, you can't hear it, but we can smell it. Yeah, no, she's horrible. She's embarrassed. She's like staring at the wall. <laughs> she's she's Blair Witch to herself. She's like, I'm just gonna stand in the corner, <laughs> wait for him to hit me in the head. Uh, but yeah. I'd... So here's the question: You say it's Stanley Kubrick too. What do you think he was trying to do with this movie? What story was he trying I, to tell? I honestly don't know. I, honestly, uh, I, I have also seen the the uh, Room Two Thirty Seven Room Two Thirty Seven documentary. And there's about 13 different things that many other people think the whole movie's about. Yeah. Um, but there's so much sim, sim, there's so much stuff going on in it when you really... Because there's, there's people that did this documentary. There's like six people, I think, they interview. Yeah. Six different views. Yeah. And it's just like... Then the last one that basically... I'm not, oh, if you watch this, and you, if you like Stephen King or Stanley Kubrick, you've probably already seen this documentary. Right, right. But I like the last theory the best. Which well, is probably the most famous. Yeah, where you can play it backwards and forwards at the same time. Yeah. Uh, it, and it, it is intriguing. It's really... Uh, and and it's one of those where you just go, oh, no, man, nobody would do that. That's just stupid. But then, when you, again, when you realize... Who you're talking about. Yeah, th- this is the guy you're dealing with who, who plots all these things out and is... I mean, I, I have a fairly high IQ. He blows mine away. So he is, a lot of times... He was running on levels that most of the rest of us are not comprehending. Uh, like I said, a lot of his attention to detail, there are a lot of things in The Shining that are blatantly... Any other director, you would say, oh, there was a continuity fuck-up. They, they mm-hmm. screwed up. That thing's not there anymore in the next scene. With Kubrick, you have to go, why did he not have it in the next scene? They're talking about the table and chair. The table, chair. There are multiple things in the film that get moved. Pictures that are all of a sudden gone off of the desk in the next shot in the same room. It's like, why is that gone? Because those are not continuity errors Kubrick is known for. One maybe could slip by him. Uh, Multiples in a film... It's unlikely that this is going to be the case with the guy who is, like I said, at that point has already got over a decade of, of actors going, yeah, he's a real son of a bitch to work for because he is so precise with every little thing that he would miss six, seven, eight fucking scenes where <laughs> things are completely different, sitting backwards on fucking carpet. No, you. This is a guy who who made sure these continuity shots were there. It is part of what he did and made him a pain in the ass to work with. But it also made the people working for him famous. Oh yeah, if you could could get through a Stanley Kubrick movie, you're guaranteed to be on the Hollywood A list. Well, I said everything pretty much. Unless you're Shelley Duvall and she just got basically tortured through the whole thing. Feel sorry for that woman. Yeah, she went through a lot. But yeah, no, like I said, anything basically Doctor Strange Love on, if you weren't already famous going into it, you became more famous. 
or you were made famous by being in, in this. Uh, and then going back to Clockwork Orange, uh, Anthony McDowell plays uh, uh, Alex Big Alex, yeah, uh, the main character, and he had he he was known at that point. But Clockwork Orange pretty much shot him into the Hollywood. He was he areas. was well known in just in like theater. Yes, that, he mostly was, theater. He wasn't well known. As, yeah, but he wasn't really a big name movie star. No, he, he would be side parts. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, the 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 part of Alex in Clockwork Orange shot him to. He's a main guy. Yep. He, he hire him up. Uh, even if you don't know who we're talking about, as soon as you see him, he's one of those guys. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, fuck, I know that actor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, Fantastic. I mean, and that's what he did. Uh, like I said, Nicholson was already famous before Shining. Yeah, he'd done things like Five Easy Pieces, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So he'd gotten his name out there. Shining, I think, put him into the stratosphere. Him, yeah, he, you are in the top tier. Yep, you can't do no wrong, Jack. Once he made the no. Shining, Jack Nicholson could do no wrong in oh, any yeah. movie. No, they, they, he, he was at that point. You were you were put into top tier. Yep. That, that's you are one of the top tier actors, and he stayed there. I mean, that's just how it was. It was just like, yeah, it's Jack Nicholson. It, he made him a legend, mm-hmm. really. And I do believe Shining is the movie that Cat- made him a yeah, legend. Yeah, did catapult him into that. You know, uh, like I said, he was known before that. But there are some of those movies people probably wouldn't have gone back and watched if Jack Nicholson had not been in them. And he had already, you didn't find him till he was already famous. Yep. I mean, that's how I saw uh, Cuckoo's Nest. My mom made me watch that. I I love that movie. It's so good. Love you, Mom, but yeah, not my movie. Oh, I love that movie. It's so fucked up. So what do you think Kubrick was trying to tell? We're going to go over some of the theories about what The Shining meant. What Uh, he was trying to explain. Some of them that got brought up in a documentary, just completely out of left field to me. Uh, like one of the, the, the theories is that the whole film was actually a breakdown of the colonization of the Americas. Yep. Uh, the, the breaking down of the Native Americans. And I was like, where the fuck are you pulling this from? But as they explained it, I was like, okay, I can see their point of view of different things. I mean, there are even just little things that are moved in the background. Yeah. Uh, anybody who's well, there's familiar, more of them? Yes. Uh, there, one of the things, the key ones to this theory is the use of calumet. Uh, it's a, is it baking soda? Baking soda. Uh, but yeah, the the, the uh, logo for calumet, especially at that time, the, the whole big can was red. Was, was red with a chief in the headdress. That was yeah, their... Stylized chief. Yeah, that, that was chief. their logo. And there are multiple parts of this where you go into this, this their storeroom you see one. There, there's one big one there. Yep. Uh, and it's facing a certain way. They go back into the same storeroom, which hasn't been restocked, because if you know the film, it's middle of winter. That's yep. why they're there. And all of a sudden, there's like 12 of them. And they're all now <laughs> facing a different way. And yep. it's all uh, the, the, the native head of Calumet. And I was like, oh, okay. And yeah, they, they, they just had just different things going on. It's like, oh, this is the same as, you know, I did. They're they're being abandoned out here, and they were left here to die. I was like, it might be a bit of a stretch to me uh, seeing that, but it, it's it's something that somebody clearly, and more than one person, picked up and went, 
if that's what this is all about. Yeah. And it, I, I don't know. Um, There's a bunch there. I got one here that because I went off um, Lister, Listverse and I found this. And said, The Shining is about abandoning the gold standard. Oh. Yeah. Basically, a whole host of crazy conspiracies focused around The Shining, but there is a couple of theories too insane even for documentary about insanity. <laughs> Our favorite is the theory that the entire film is a secret mockery of Woodrow Wilson for abandoning the gold standard. Let's back up and look at the clues. Several of The Shining's key scenes are set in something called the Gold Room. In one such scene, Jack Nixon tries to buy a drink for the bartender, only to be told his money is no good and it's an order from the house. Colonel Edward Mandel's house is the man who convinced Woodrow Wilson to drop the standard and make American money worthless. But wait, how do we know Jack is meant to represent Wilson? Simple, Jack has terrible typing skills, and in 1913, the New York Times mocked Wilson's for that same defect. Hmm. But the real kicker comes in the film's final shot. In a, fo- in a photograph dated July 4th, 1921, we see Jack Nicholson surrounded by people waving at the camera. July 4th, 1921, also happens to be exactly two months after Wilson retired, and the guy standing behind Jack in the photo looks just like Wilson. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. That is interesting. But then he also the biggest the biggest thing out of this the theory coming out of there is it's Kubrick's telling you, hey, I fake the moon landing. Yes. Uh, that is probably if you look up anything, just type in like Kubrick conspiracies. It's this gonna be, be three pages basically of Kubrick the the theory that, that the Shining is him giving a wink and a nod to everybody that he helped film the original moon landing. Yeah. Um, the, the prevailing theory even on the moon landings with some people, some of them say we've never been there. Others say the first one was faked, but the stuff we went to after, we did go. Uh, the, the main theory on those kind of ideas is that we were afraid to launch these rockets up and have... Our, our astronauts blow up on TV uh, when we're in the it middle of the space race. Yeah. And they were worried about that, so they shot the Saturn up, let it go do its thing, filmed this off to the side, and then by the time we went back again, they'd had more time to perfect some of the technology. So the other landings we did, I think the last one was in 72, uh, but the other ones were real, but the first one is fake. Other people believe we've never been there, period. All of it was fake. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, okay, we're gonna sidetrack, folks. We never right. do that. This is the first time we're gonna sidetrack ever in an episode. Right. So bear with. I've had a couple of guys. They want to come on the podcast, and they're cool. Oh, okay. They're cool guys. I said we can't come in the studio. I said you can call in, and we'll do an interview that way. One of them actually kind of sort of believes we haven't been to the moon yet. Oh, interesting. He has a big dress trust of the government, and it's all justified for what he says from his position. Right. He understand. He's a very intelligent guy. His brother's very intelligent. And they make a lot of sense because that's what we did. The wife, we went over that barbecue and we sat down talking. I'm like, we talked like four fucking hours and it was oh, just like oh. that went by that quick. And that's all we do is talk about weird shit. Nice. Hell yeah. But yeah, they're going to come on here and let's do an interview with them because. No, that'd be interesting. I mean, I, I get the not he has, he has He has really strong feelings about uh, a certain virus. Oh, yeah. And I his just... position, he, can, he doesn't want to, I'm not going to say what his right. position is. But he has access to certain things we don't. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 
because he asked me that point blank. He's like, have you got the jab? And I said, yes, I got one. He said, it's good. Because he had to get one, too, just right. for what he does. And he says, it's just like, this, it does. But anyway, right. well, I'm going to leave it at that or we'll get a flag right. on our episode. Yeah, I know, yeah. Let's get back into the shiny and that. You got the right. moon, you got the uh, Indians, Native Americans, and yep. you got the gold standard. What other ones did you find? Uh, honestly, those are the main ones that really kind of fucking uh, trip me up a little bit. Because I'm just like... I, mm. Well, I got one on mm. here about the shiny is about the Mayan apocalypse. That didn't ever happen. Oh, yeah. hasn't happened yet. All right. This is also from Liz for us. This is I number. Don't know if this, I've seen that one. this is number three one. This is uh the shiny is about the Mayan apocalypse. Remember, remember slightly over a year ago when everyone was convinced a certain date in December would spell the end of the world. Turns out that the more paranoid among us were in good company, according to at least one conspiracy out there. The shining is encoded with a predicted date of the Mayan apocalypse. Before we go any further, we should point out that during the 70s, the expected date was 12-24-11. It was only later revised to 12-21-12. This is significant because this theory hinges on the insane amount of reference of the number 21 and 42, 14, I mean 12 and 24 backwards in the film. An exhaustive list. You can actually, the got a list and oh, it's yeah. like three pages long. Including stuff like Shelley Duvall swinging her baseball bat 42 times before she finally hits Jack Nicholson. The little kid saying red rum 42 times in his creepy voice and Jack Nicholson hitting the door with his axe 12 times. Even scores get in, even the score gets on in the madness. The word dad in one sequence, when one sequence, sequence, big word, uh, being followed by 12 F notes and a later melody of 24. In short, it's sort of the stuff that you make your brain hurt. That even analysts of how the cast shared 21 double letters in their name. The suggesting Kubrick was either so passionate about the apocalypse that he cast people based on the numbers of letters in their name. Or is this a theory as a pinnacle of the OCD bunkum? Uh, Shelley Duvall, Jack Nicholson. I don't... That, that doesn't have it. Shelley Duvall. I don't understand that one, because... <laughs> Let me reread that one. Yeah, folks, this like Shelley Duvall swinging about 42 times. Right. Okay, here it is. Uh, there's even an analyst of how the cast shared 21 double letters in their name. Maybe throughout the whole cast, there was 21 right. double letters. I think that's what that's suggesting. Huh. I, I, I don't know. You, you get into some of those, and it just almost feels like Somebody that has too much time on their hands. You know yeah. what I mean? They, they overanalyze. Kind of like me. Yeah, right. Well, then I'm serious. I can make anything connect. I'll, <laughs> I'll, be the, I'll be the first one to admit this. Right. You can make anything connect. You can make any two, three, five points connect. Right. But they have to be cohesive. If they're not cohesive, it doesn't mesh, but you can grasp straws. And right. I try not to do that because I'm like, oh, this is terrible. I throw it out. Like the one theory I have about the Missy 411. If it doesn't work, I'm like, okay, this cannot be put into there because it doesn't go together. I'm like, right. all right, that's gone. Let's see what does fit. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't fit. It, it doesn't, doesn't fit. fit correctly. It's got to go. I feel sorry for the general because I actually sent him a PDF of it and he had to read it. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Poor bastard. He's all excited to get it. I'm like, oh, you're good for a head, for, for a head scratcher. 
<laughs> Hold on on your excitement, man. Uh, <laughs> so even that- even going through the documentary, there, there's some of it, and, and most of the people they're talking with are Kubrick scholars, and and I sometimes have to view what they're thinking as, as they're they're going through the lens of somebody who is really obsessed with this thing Mm -hmm. and it is very easy to start seeing what you want when you're pouring over the same thing over and over and over again sometimes I think the pattern you're seeing isn't a pattern (laughs) it's what you want to see Uh, but there's some of it especially with like the the moon stuff there is definitely something something there Uh, I'm not going to hop on and say that he filmed uh, the moon landing. Well, he did film it, but he went to the moon to do it. But there's there's just too much little things that were dumped into that film that are just... (sighs) I just want to say, I bet you he's just laughing his ass off in his grave. Going, ha ha, what's about the moon, but not what you think. Or even like, man, I put all this stuff in here because people are going to pour over this and freak out. And all of it's nonsense. I don't mean any of it. I'm just putting it in there to see how many threads people will follow. Or, you know, how many years. That is Because he died in 99. Yep. Came out in 80. So that was quite a few years where, where these theories had already been popping up. Even as early as, oh, the first filming. Yeah. The first screening of, of The Shining. How many years, maybe, was, was it all like a long con with him? But there's also some people said, too, he was bored with what he was doing. He was, yeah. He liked making films. It's like it was a hobby to him, but it's not what he really wanted to do. Right. So some people are out there, the theory out there is like, he just made this to fuck with people. Right. And there's and nothing, there's it's just a story about some guy going batshit crazy, yeah. trying to kill his wife, he dies in the end. It's that simple. There's right. that theory, but he threw all this other shit and there's superfluous shit just to fill up that gap of time. Yeah. And 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 likewise at that point, he's already been become known for a stickler for detail. Yeah. And people are already going into your film looking for what little things, messages, signs of things you've put in here. And yeah, I think it'd be hilarious if he was just like I just did, let's I, see what they do with this, like, man. That'd be funny if you turn around and said, yeah, this is the laziest movie I ever made. I'm like, fuck, I don't remember half the shit I was high or something. Right. Well, even even go back to, say, the, the final sequence of 2001. He had even come out and said before his death, because there are different people that have watched 2001 hundreds of times, and they're like, oh, yes, I know exactly you know, what he was meaning in, in this end of this film. And he had even come out and said publicly... If you're telling people that you know exactly what I was filming and what I meant by every scene in there, you're full of shit. Yep. It's, a lot of it was just art. crazy, trippy shit. It's just art. Yeah, it, it's crazy visual stuff I put in there. If you're telling me you know every little bit and have, and have uh, deciphered what these symbols meant as they were coming across the screen, you're full of shit because there was no meaning to these. Yeah, it's just uh, it's an aesthetic. I just it, put them yeah, away because it, it looked cool. I want to say that's kind of what The Shining is all about. Right. I want to say this is his biggest, like, F you. He's like, I'm going to make this movie. People think I'm a real stickler. I'm just going to mess with their heads and just do random shit, like make the table and chair disappear from one scene to the next. Right. Uh, The the, the Indian heads on Calumet. Uh, There's uh, pictures. uh, That also goes into some of the the native uh, thoughts that this is the colonialism. 
is there are pictures on the wall in the background of a giant buffalo, and and off one side is another picture of of natives, and then the other the cavalry, side of it is the cavalry, yeah, uh, pushing them across. And and I think they were put there for a reason because he, that is what he did, um, that is just part of his filmmaking. But there again, <laughs> was it to mess with people? I think or? it is because I think it. I think everybody's thought so much about this. Don't get me wrong, I love the film. Oh, yeah, yeah. The film is awesome. But I read one theory about there. It's like there's something in the blood that comes out of the elevator. Oh, right, right, There's right. Basically, there's somebody coming out of the blood. And if, I'm serious. If you squint hard enough, you can make it look like there's a body in the blood. Right. And, like, the twin girls that were the, uh, supposedly murdered there. Yeah. They're not actually his daughter. They were somebody else. And it's like, people are trying to find something, like, new twist on this. I'm like, just what it is. It's just there to make your mind think. Right. And I think that's what it was. It was more of a thought experience yes. by Kubrick to see what you get out of it. And you and me could be talking about like we are right now. Yeah. It's a thought experiment. And, and you look at, uh, again, the time when this is being made. Uh, the late 70s, going to the 80s, there was a lot of turmoil, but there was also a lot more interest again in uh, psychological type stuff. Uh, that was kind of becoming uh, bigger again. And, and there were a lot of things where it was just different thought experiments that were getting put out there, not just on film, but in in labs of, of people putting out these papers that are, this is a thought experiment, we're trying to put this out, see what people think of this. And I do believe that it possibly is what he did. Because um, you look pretty much everything after uh, The Shining. Wait, well, he only did two more movies. Uh, one of them is out there, uh, but the other the other big film of his was Full Metal Jacket. Again, yeah. going back to war movies, which is where he cut his teeth on. Yep. And to some extent, Full and that Metal is Jacket, an awesome movie too. Oh, fantastic! But there again, Full Metal Jacket again is is an anti war yeah. war movie. Um, it, that is, it is clearly that is his position on things. Well, I know there are people that had because uh, the, the the moon landing, shining uh, connection has been there for years. Well, a few years ago, even his daughter actually came out and said she was pissed about it. She's like, if you know him, he, he believed in all this stuff that he would come out and kind of disgrace these astronauts' memory of, of saying, yeah, we, we faked this. That is not who he was. That no. This is complete bullshit. I get, I, like I'll say it, but Shining is nothing more than a thought experiment. Yeah. It's an awesome movie that is a thought experiment. And like I said, th- there are a lot of things. Uh, Danny's sweater towards the end of the film. Yep. It is a Saturn V rocket that says Apollo 11. 11. Like, like, it is... It, it's like, oh, it's a hidden fact. But it, at the same time, it's also a punch right in the nose. I mean, it's pretty blatant that he's wearing an Apollo 11 shirt. Um, is it just hiding in plain sight that he's lying to you? The, the interesting thing with that whole sequence is the carpet and, and his alignment. Yeah. Um, when you first pull up on that scene, it, and everybody, I think if you've seen the movie, you know the the very angular geometrical shape. Geometric carpet that is on there. Uh, and they're all like just fold into each other. Uh, when they first pull up on the scene, he is facing the closed end of this little octagon on the carpet he's sitting in. 
when they pull back, some other shit goes on with the Grady twins, and they pull back to him, he's actually facing the other way. He's facing the open end of the design. And some of them are saying, yes, you know, after this point, he's opening out this, this truth that, you know, the Apollo 11 was, was faked. And I, I just don't buy it. I think it was done intentionally. Um, but I, I think, to me, and I'm, I'm not a, a film scholar, no. clearly. Oh, no. I watch a lot of film. Uh, but I, I am not a, a, a Kubrick scholar. I'm not a film scholar. So it was definitely done with an intention. But I, I, I do think, to me, there is some credibility in it being a thought experiment. I mean, it is, to me, that is classic Kubrick, uh, because a lot of his films he did, you take out of it what you want. Uh, what you'd notice, I guess. Yes. Uh, Even, like I said, even going back to 2001, there are things, how people interpreted the ending of that film with Dave meeting old Dave in the end of time room or whatever the fuck is going on there. Multiple times I've seen it. I'm still not quite sure what's going on. It's a really fancy looking opium den. Right. Uh, But yeah, there are multiple... Ways to read it. Yeah, multiple uh, uh, theories of what people think is happening there. God damn it. You know what? Now i got to watch 2010. I was going to today, but no one has it streaming for free. Oh, no one does? Okay. And, And I... Didn't really feel like paying to rent it again and watch I'll it. I'm like, eh, I'll get it some other time. I've seen it multiple times. Because, yeah, I was actually going to watch that this last weekend when I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fucking watch 2001. Okay, we're, I'm going back to this documentary room 237. Yeah. And these these guys went so far in depth of what they saw in it. Because, did you actually know there's a Playgirl magazine in one of the scenes? Yeah. And yeah. Jack Nicholson is actually reading a Playgirl magazine. Yeah, when when he's first meeting the the head of the hotel, getting up there, he's sitting in the lobby, and there again, here's where you see a lot of the forty two, yeah. and twenty one, all these numbers coming. There's in, a lot in of background. There's, there's a lot of forced perspective in this movie. Yes, too. well, there again, it, it's the, the Kubrick strange angles that he does on on film and what he focuses on in a yeah. shot. Uh, that that is just weird, but it works. But it yeah, it absolutely works. But yeah, no, he's he's actually sitting there reading a magazine that is assumed to be in the lobby of this hotel. <laughs> it's a lobby magazine, yeah. and it's a it's a Playgirl from from seventy nine. Yeah, <laughs> it's like wait what? I I just always assumed it was a, a Playboy or just some kind of magazine because you can't really see it all that well. Oh, that's what that is. That's my elbow. Uh-huh, I was just checking. <laughs> I'm hearing a thump, and I'm like, who's got the bass going, man? What is going on, man? Tell those sons of bitches to get out of here. But yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's actually a, a, a Playgirl. And they even, I don't even remember what their theory was behind, but there was a certain, I don't remember who it was, was in it, but that played into part of their theory of something, too, was in that issue. I was like, maybe you're looking too much yeah, into it. Yeah. I mean, it's oddball that it would be a Playgirl in the lobby of this family resort yeah uh so why did you put that in there but yeah it's uh there there's so much little weird things in that god and there's probably film. stuff because the oh big, yeah because <laughs> like the final picture scene everybody's correl- uh, correlating that with baphomet yeah. just because of the hand and the way he's sitting you got yep. one hand raised up with that one down so there's like oh it's a satanist movie i'm like it's just one thing 
Right. And, you, can and look at, you can look at it this way, too. Lucifer is known as the light bringer. Yeah. And bringer of knowledge. Star. Yeah. Yep. So who knows? Maybe saying, maybe Jack finally got where he had to be. Right. Because he got the knowledge to get where he had to be because he wasn't for this air. Yeah. Uh, it just, like I said, there, there are some of the things in there where it's like, yeah, that's a cool theory. But it doesn't encompass everything in the film. It's just this little sequence you guys are pouring over. Yeah. And again, it goes, are, are you seeing that because that's what you want to see? Or is that what he was putting in there? But there again, I, I think it is put in there for you to see what you want to see in yeah. that film. Uh, everyone kind of reacts to that movie a little differently, too. And that is why, I think, because, yes, the, the main story is cut and dry at the end. I mean, he, Jack's dead. He's frozen. The family lived. Yeah. But there is a lot of uh, open interpretation to whether this is good, whether this is bad. How much did Danny know um, of what was going on? Uh, like I said, in the book you do know because in, in the movie Danny just seems like a creepy weird kid. I mean, they, they, make, they have the little speech of what The Shining kind of is. Yep. But they never really do anything with it with him, other than screaming for Halloran to come back, kind of. Uh, but yeah, in the book it goes more into, he's, he's a psychic, and he's a very, very strong psychic. Uh, which they actually do in Doctor Sleep, the yep. sequel. With Ewan McGregor? Yep, and they, they actually deal with more of that. That end. movie got a lot of damn hate. I liked that movie. I thought it was really I fun. started watching it's it, but then my kid walked great. in. I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, no, you can't watch this. That, that first sequence in that film with yeah. the little kid. Yeah. That's fucking unnerving. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, it's like, it, through the movie, watching it as a kid, The Shining, I was just like, this kid's just a fucking weirdo. He's fucking not quite right in the head like his dad. Because he's just going around going, ah, red rum, red rum. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. After knowing the story, it's like, oh, I get it. He's talking to himself from the future. He's fucking psychic. Yep. Watching the movie, you don't really kind of get that. He's just kind of a weird fucking You, you kind of get that. You do, you, you but... get a little bit of the but not the full extent. Right, what, and it's just like, it man, he's just a weird, annoying kid. I kind of hope he kills him. Jeez, uh, <laughs> Marty, come on. I don't like kids in movies, traditionally. Because they get uh, creepy. Well, no, because they're typically a really shittily written character it's, it's basically they're there to get into the shenanigans it's like even as a kid I was like oh Christ <laughs> but uh, no it's there, there's so much and I think that's part of the magic of Kubrick's films uh, maybe not the early ones because he's still figuring out who he is as a filmmaker but you can interpret all manner of things even Clockwork Orange how that ends I have seen multiple interpretations of how you read what's going on with Alex and everything else. I mean, I have my theory of what I think is happening. Other people have others. And that's the beauty of, of Kubrick's See, great we've, films. We've, we've kind of lost that in cinema nowadays. Yeah, you In a broad term, very it's often. like very cut and dry. Oh, all yeah, except for yeah. um, Swordfish. That kind of, uh, is Swordfish a, is a very interesting movie. So, you know, I, I like a movie. I don't necessarily need a movie that's open-ended where it's like, oh, what's going on? But I like a head fuck movie. Uh, what? Well, actually, Christopher Nolan actually <coughs> does a lot of head fuck movies. Like Interstellar? Um, Memento. Memento, uh, His yeah. first one's fantastic. Interstellar, where you're kind of... And that is very much a, 
a Kubrick feel to that movie. Yeah. Where there's this great epic stuff, and some of what's going on, you kind of interpret on your own of how this is working. Uh, Inception is is a great example of a movie that leaves you not knowing. Uh, everyone has their interpretation yep. of yep. like, well, uh, is he really here? Is he in a dream? And I like that kind of thing in a movie. Um, but you don't get a lot of it anymore. A lot of your stuff coming out. And don't get me wrong, I like big Hollywood movies. But they are pretty much... It's a standard Three-phase part. Yeah, it, it is what it's going to be. Doesn't mean the, I don't like it. Yeah, the intrigue at the beginning, the chase in the middle, yeah, and the conclusion yeah. at the end. But but when when Hollywood puts out a movie that confuses me, I don't want to say confused, but leaves me wondering right up to the end where I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Because that, I'm... Like I said, I've seen a lot of movies, and I'm pretty good, pretty quick at figuring out. Uh, well, okay, the, here's what's going. Actually, on. I know this too. This is gonna be a big movie episode, but I don't oh, care. Right. But um, the last precinct or is that the movie that? There's a movie that just came out recently. It's a B grade movie, well written. Basically, the whole plot is this freak girl's a cop. I think it's called. Oh, the, oh, is yeah, it the yeah, last yeah. precinct? I want to say it's last. Last, last shift. shift. Last, Last shift. shift. You guys, I'm not going to ruin it, but this is one of those movies that it's gory, but it's a mind fuck. Yeah. And it's good. It's done well. Yeah. And I, it's it's a film that I went, and eh, this looks pretty low. The budget. Void. Another one I just watched recently. Oh, the Void is the void another is, good one. Mm, yeah. that The Void among uh, horror fans, high ratings. Uh, everybody loves this movie. But it is a very small, obscure film. Yes. Uh, but absolutely fantastic. If you like uh, uh, space horror, Cthulhu... Cosmic horrors. It, it's it's freaking crazy good. But yeah, no, movies like even uh, from way back with uh, Douglas, The Game. Fan... Oh, you've never oh, seen The game. game? Oh, The Game, okay, yeah. Michael Douglas' say, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you've seen Yeah, I've this. seen The Game. That absolute is... fantastic yes. head fuck movie. Yes. And I, I like that kind of stuff. I, I don't always like it cut and dry. And again, a lot of Kubrick the best, stuff. The very, left. the very last scene, it's the best scene of the whole damn movie. Because oh. you don't see this coming at all. No, all, all of it is like, is this real? Is this part of the setup? Is this a fuck over? What is going but on? You, absolutely great. The game by Michael movie. Douglas has yeah. to be one of his best psychological movies oh, ever made. Absolutely fantastic. Because you do not know what's going on no. until the very end when the guy hits the table. Yeah, the very last second of wait. What? Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. It's been out for a long time, but I don't think a lot of people have seen it. Unless you saw it right away, Yeah, it's kind of disappeared. It's kind of like Falling Down, Yep. where right away it came out, it was big, and then it just kind of disappeared. Went down to security. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I, no, you need to check this out. This is a really good movie. You're going to like it. Uh, but yeah, no, the game is absolutely... And it's it's available streaming free on quite a few places yeah. I've come across it. But it's it's less fun watching it the second time. Because you, you know already gonna know what's going. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, like like with Kubrick stuff, and that's why I, I liked a lot of his movies, There, there is a, even, say, in Full Metal Jacket, there is just a, a harsh, gritty realism to it. But at the same time, parts of it almost seem dreamlike, just with how it was shot, yep. where it is almost a caricature of real life of going on. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of it you can kind of interpret things how you Okay, want. Um, this is the last movie we're going to mention that can be highly interpretive. Jacob's Ladder. Oh, yeah. Jacob's Ladder is a highly movie. interpretive movie. Yep. 
Because you can take away from it what you want. Yeah. And that's the, the Tim Robbins. Or yeah. was you doing? They did a remake of it. No, I'm talking about the Tim it's Robbins one. Not good. The original, uh, the original Tim yeah, Robbins. 88, 89, yeah. something like that came out. I actually need to. I've been thinking about the movie a lot lately because I've not actually watched it probably since it first came out. And I remember just being confused. I liked it because, like, my sister watched it a lot. And I was just like, man, I'm not really quite sure what the fuck's going on here. Uh, but I like this. But yeah, that's one that's on my list of shit I gotta go back and rewatch as an older person to be like, okay, I want my interpretation of it yep. now as opposed to being 16. So but yeah, uh, Kubrick, I, I, I think The Shining, I, I think you're probably right. I, I think a lot of The Shining was probably done as just a thought exercise, a, a social experiment, if you will, to yeah. see what other people... Because you got to figure he would be getting bored with just doing cut and dry. Well, movies. yeah, like I said, that's uh, the the Barry Lyndon, which he did was the last film he did before The Shining. It, he was, it, it's a beautifully shot film. It's it's wonderful or whatever, uh, but it's it's cut and dried. It's it's like they said, it, it's the film of a guy who's gotten bored with what he's doing. Yeah, it, it's yeah, he's filling out the obligation. They needed a movie. It's something he's interested in, wanted to do the story, but it's very straightforward. It's dry. It is what it is, and it's not fun. <laughs> no, it's not uh, fun at all. I haven't but, even seen it, and I'll say it's not fun. Yeah, I, I've seen clips of it and went, oh, this is probably why I haven't watched this, because this just is really a dry, boring but, film. But he had The Shining, you know, that was a controversial movie, but I think the most controversial one he had is Eyes Wide Shut. Yes. Um... The first of all, we're going to start this off with Precipice. The Eyes Wide Shut. Stanley Kubrick died six days, six or nine days after... Six. Six days after the proposal. Because he was going to do more work on it, but the studio wouldn't let him, and he died within the six days before he could go back and do the final cut. Yeah, basically, uh, what it sounds like happened, he had, give, he had actually given them his final cut. Mm-hmm. And the studio looked at it, was not happy with it, Six days later, he died. And the the studio, studio then went and made some of their own cuts and changed what his original film actually, was. Actually, there's actually a Reddit thread. I don't know how much validity is with this Reddit right. thread. But I actually, I found two alternate what was in the scenes. Ah, I interesting. Found what could possibly be two scenes, but they're right. totally different. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the way it sounds, people that had worked on it and saw his original final cut... What we got, which is still an absolutely fascinating... It was like 24 minutes I got cut out. Yeah, and changed around and then different scenes added to it. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, no, the people that had originally worked on it said, yeah, this is not the cut he did. No. Uh, and then, But... There's the, a, yeah, <laughs> this movie has just about as much shit going on as The Shining does. Oh, yeah. But there's actually, like, the whole... If anybody hasn't seen Eyes Wide Shut, it's an awesome movie. It really, is. It's another... I, I don't know if this one's actually a thought experiment. I think it's a more of a corruption piece. Yes. That's the way I take it. And that's just my yeah. that's just my view of this whole movie. It's more of yeah. a corruption piece of our government, how corrupt our government is. The, the government... I, not even just the government, I think. It is the elite. That elite yeah. class, which does include a lot of our government people... And, and I do put some, I don't know if I want to say validity, but, but I do have a little belief in just the timing of 
his death with this pre-getting released yeah. uh, and the supposed cuts and additions that were made to it. Because, um, yeah, the, the movie itself... I honestly stayed away from this movie for about three years because I was like, it's just a stupid sex movie. What are you doing, Stan? I know it's your last film, but this is just another time. He didn't know it was his last film. No. No, he he did not. Uh, But, yeah, it it was to me, I was like, this is just a a stupid fucking movie. And I eventually was like, you know what? I'm going to watch it. I've watched all his other movies other than Barry Lyndon, apparently, which I did not know at that time. But I watched it and I was like, holy fuck. Uh, this is throwing a spotlight on just... Well, the two biggest spotlights everybody's saying it's being thrown on is the Illuminati and the Rothschild. Right. Because the Roth, the party they have with everybody's wearing yep. masks and fancy and half-naked women, half-naked men, that's actually a depiction of what some Rothschild parties have been like. Yes. And the Illuminati, there's a bunch of symbolism for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's... And Masonic's too are in there, so... Yeah. Yeah, now this... Originally, the story is based off of an old story from, like, the 20s. Uh, yeah. That he expanded and turned into, you know, Stanley's movie. Uh, but, yeah, the, the basic story is a dude who is, like... He's not bored with his life, but he's looking for something different uh, and, and ends up basically in this... Getting himself into this exclusive... High power party, uh, yep. Uh, sex drug party, and pretty quickly finds himself way in over his fucking head. He is dealing with people that he has no idea how to deal with. There's one scene where he's in the pool room and he's talking to the other. I can't, yep. I can't. Actually, this movie has controversy too because Harvey Keitel was supposed to play one and he quit. Yeah, he he dropped out. Yeah. And there's rumors about he had some other movie going on. Right. Basically, it's him and Stanley did not get along. Yeah, which I can see. Keitel's kind of a, a tough guy to, yeah. to work with as well. And a lot of it actually deals with like, well, some of the topics you covered, like the Clintons, Epstein. That's the yep. biggest thing in this. Yeah. And this is pre-Epstein explosion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's the whole movie basically is, is shining this light on how much the, the upper elite just are on their own level. Yep. They, they chew up the regular people, the girl who gets murdered. Yep. Uh, it, it's basically a a nobody. They chew them, spit them out, and Throw don't, the street, don't even bother knowing who the fuck she was. It doesn't matter. Yep. But it's, it's kind of a symbolism of what the upper class elites do with the normies who are all below them. Um, absolutely fascinating film. Really, one, once I got... But it's kind of weird how it's almost like Kubrick when he did this movie. I want to say this was part thought experiment, part, part shining a spotlight on the corruption of the yeah. elite. Because now you're seeing, like, if you watch the movie and correlated with the Epstein thing going on, this is actually like a foreshadowing. It's like, hey, oh, yeah. this is what can be going on. And you look at it like with the Clintons, and it's like, yep. oh, they suicided themselves by shooting them twice in the back of the head. Uh, there right. is all these correlations in the eyes wide shut that matches up with what we're seeing just recently in the last decade. Yeah, that, that is coming to light. Yeah. Um, I, I look at kind of timelines of, of his filmmaking. Now, the early ones, of course, you're doing studio work, so it's boom, 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 boom. Uh, he does Full Metal Jacket, films it in 86, releases in 87. 
does not do another full movie on his own until 99 mm-hmm. when Eyes Wide Shut. That is 12 years of avoiding being in the spotlight of Hollywood. I have a feeling that there was a lot of this stuff because he is one of these upper echelon He's seen this, respected though. directors. And I think, honestly, he probably was an honestly good person. Um, had some weird visual ideas, but I, I think he was a well-meaning person. And I, I have a feeling that being around some of this, it started getting to him and, and kind of really bothering him, which is why you have a 12-year stint between the There were other stuff during that time he'd been working on. Well, like we mentioned before, AI was one he had been working on but knew he could not direct it and make it feel how it was supposed to, which is why he went to Spielberg, who's a good friend of his. Uh, But yeah, there are movies like that where he kind of had his hand in, but didn't actually fully put out a movie. And I just, I just, after watching it and knowing that he had died at that point... When did Full Metal Jacket come out again? 87. 87, okay. Yep. Keep talking, I got it. And then, uh, yeah, 99. it, It just, sometimes after watching that movie the first time, and just kind of all the symbolism that's in there, more than just say the oh, it's Illuminati stuff. But like, listeners are going to ask, get the band again. You said it came out in '87. Yes. Guess what other movie came out in '87? This will tie to it. I don't know. The Lost Boys. Oh yeah. And who recently has been making big news? Uh, and from the Lost Boys, Corey Feldman. Oh yeah. And Corey Haim, and they were the main stars. And they said they were passed around. Hollywood elite during this time. Oh yeah, and he's pretty sure. I'm I'm almost ninety nine percent sure. My spec. I'll say this is my pure speculation. Right, right. Because it's going down the same line where Kubrick was a good guy, but he also seen what was going on in the seedy part oh, of Hollywood yeah. with these young children that were getting passed around like yep. toys, which is completely wrong. And it's just like he just. That's why it was such a span before he made Eyes Wide Shut. Right. And Eyes Wide Shut was like trying to bring everything to light by not bringing it to light and putting it in a movie form. Right. And, and that's what I, I kind of think, too. Like I said, after watching it, like I said, I didn't watch it till probably 04. That's when I finally was like, I'm just going to watch it to say I've watched it. It's fucking stupid. I don't know why he's doing this stupid sex movie after all these other fantastic films. To realize, oh, this is not just a, a fucking sex movie. This is fucking... This is a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was kind of my thought was like, is this his way of just being like, you know what, I'm ready to fucking possibly throw people under the bus in a roundabout way of like, boop, I'm putting this out. I know I'm going to have a lot of eyes on me on this movie because it's it's me. People are going to go see See, this. I also wonder too, like, since he died six days after his final cut was put in. Yes. If he would have not died and lived on for a couple of years, would this movie have ever got put out? I don't think it would have. Yeah, I mean... Because if we, if we are to believe that these 24 minutes were cut and rearranged in the movie right. to make it susceptible for these Holly, Holly weird people, would it ever gotten put out if he was still alive? Well, see, it, it, it's, it would take a lot of pull, I think, to, to uh, sandbag a Kubrick film. That was completed. But I don't think it's impossible. Uh, there's plenty of excuses studios could make of why it's not going to come out. Who's not going to? All the studios honestly have to do is be like, "Yeah, we're going to pass on it." Yeah. And are are you going to put it out under an indie title? Maybe, probably not. But back then there was and, no really indie. Well, title. There, there were some, but it was Full Moon. 
that, well, no, I mean, you, you had uh, just different ones. Uh, Miramax was still at that point kind of a growing. Uh, but there again, you know who was in charge of oh, that. Oh, I forgot so, Ryan was out that time. Yeah, oh, okay. the, but yeah, like uh, we also knew who was in charge of that, so he probably wouldn't have uh, no. let that go out because he, he was one that was uh, all about uh, using and throwing people away. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting idea if they would have tried to blackball that film and sandbag it somewhere. Yeah, because uh, it's, it's really funny. If you have not seen this movie, watch it. Yeah, it, and it ties into so much. Like if you listen to conspiracy podcasts, oh, yeah. or anything, or yeah. symbolism, even true crime, that movie came out before all this stuff. Because that's what got me kind of into this a lot more. Because I'm like, right. The more you watch this movie, it's like, Christ, he was predicting this yeah. in '87. Now, now some of this stuff was kind of fringe ideas. Some people had of like, oh, the Illuminati. That idea's been around a long time. But some of this is a little too accurate. Like you said, what we've seen in the last two decades that have come out since this, yeah, and that we know is fact, it lines up with a lot of things that happen in this fucking movie. It does. Uh, and it's like, oh, oh, pancake. Oh, pancake's in trouble. But, but yeah, no, uh, that's, it, it hit a lot of things. Like at the time, it's like, oh, that's kind of out there. But as time gone by, it's like, shit. He, he was, basically, he made a movie that was a foreshadowing movie. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was basically going, yeah, yeah, this is what they're doing. No, but, sorry about the breaks, folks, but Kubrick, like you said, this was a foreshadowing movie is what I'll call right. it. Now, I, I will say, like I said, I, I didn't watch it for a while because I honestly was really disappointed. So I was like, oh man, you're a great legacy, and this is the last movie you're going to do. This is the last one that comes out, and this is the end of your legacy, is this sex film. Uh, but I was just actually thinking about it. Uh, it it's a film that they kind of wanted torn down. And you think about the media when this movie came out, that is what they did. They ate balled it. They, they were just like, oh, yeah, it's all about sex clubs and all this. And, and that's not what it was about at all. But all, all the advertising, all the, the media talk about this, that's all it was. Because people, people didn't go and see it in the movie theater because no. the media was saying, oh, it's just about depraved sex parties. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, just, it's horrible sex party stuff. And, well, it's entertaining. It's mindless to be his last film. And I was. I was like, man, that's disappointing. But yeah, I was just thinking about that. It's like, man, no, the media did uh, do everything they could. To shut the movie to, down. To not let out what the movie was about. Even the commercials the studios did, which were put out after his death, have nothing about what's really going on in that film. It's showing him in weird club with fucking people with masks on, and it's all fucking sex and drug parties. Like, and that is part of what's going on, but that is not what's going on. And I, really, thinking about it, and I just thought of that actually tonight. Is like that they they did hammer that thing down, man. They mm-hmm. they did the best they could to release it. And just like just like today with the Epstein box, they shut everything down. Oh on yeah, that. yeah. No, it's. It's shut down. No, people have already. A lot of people in the main state, main public, have forgot about Epstein. Oh yeah, they. Like, you'll, oh. you'll hear little joke comments now and then, but there's nobody looking into any of it. Like I said, even last year, fucking Ghislaine was fucking 
prosecuted and put in jail. I there were never any big stories about it. It nope. was just quietly just like put her over here. Put her in Florida in the easiest forget. federal prison yeah. you can find. Everyone will forget about it in a year. Yep. There'll be plenty of other things they worry about. But I think I think we're gonna now we're doing like a social thing here, but I think it's coming out now because Hunter Biden's being hit really hard in the news and people are not letting this go. It, right. Which is a good thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. There there is a lot of stuff that is coming out that's going to be harder and harder to, to try to shove under the rug where even your big news places you're going to have to start covering some of this yeah because it is pretty ugly stuff right now and a lot of people are angry and there's what i just seen recently on twitter i don't know how some of it's reliable some of that right, but some of the right. pictures i've seen actually coming out i'm like these aren't fake pictures these are actually real pictures and some right. of them are like got my blood blowing when i saw them like Okay, I'm not going to describe what I saw, but I'm right. Like, on Twitter, it's pretty much like the Wild West. Oh yeah, yeah, to some extent, yeah. It really but let's is. let's get back on Stan. <laughs> right. So uh, yeah, it's and also with he Stanley died six days after six days before this movie, whatever he died after after, after, after his, his final cut, yeah. his final cut, he died six days later. There's actually conspiracies about who killed him. Somebody there's conspiracies about people that killed him. Oh. Yeah, you have any of these? Uh, no, I've never really looked. There's into that, there's conspiracy actually. theories out about his death. I'm gonna read I mean, them I off. I figure there would be. Yeah, there is. The first one is death by satanic cult. Kubrick's final film, Eyes Wide Shut, was about a man bored with his life who d- discovered an underworld lifestyle of decadence. Some say the film warned about satanic cult and the power they think, fearing they would be uncovered. Some believe members of the satanic cult using a chemical to induce Car- Kubrick's fatal heart attack. After killing the director, they secretly re-edited the film to avoid exposure. Which, there again, in order for that to work, they have to also then be tied in with the studio. But that all does, if, if you believe in, in the evils. But there's one later on this where basically the same thing is reiterated, killed right. by enemies of the Illuminati. Right. But the other one I found interesting is he was murdered by the CIA. Oh, Kubrick's film, A Clockwork Orange, was based on the book by Anthony Burgess and was largely unchanged. The film depicts the use of CIA mind control to to change Alex's behavior, who was a punk and a vicious criminal. Burgess worked for British intelligence and witnessed the CIA's controversial MKUltra program, which uses frightening tactics for mind control. Supposedly, Kubrick filled the film with clues to where these experiments were taking place, so perhaps the CIA killed Kubrick out of revenge for outing their program. Hmm. Seems like a long time coming, but... Uh, I don't think the CIA would wait that long. <laughs> right. Like I said, uh, it was like 71. Uh, something like that when that movie came out. We're going to wait till 99 and everyone forgets about it. What? <laughs> and but here, it is interesting. Here's one. Is He was a victim of Scientology. Hmm. Scientology is a religion begun by science fiction writer L. Ron Hubbard that many believe is a cult. Another link to Eyes Wide Shut. Many believe the film was thinly veiled warning about Scientology, the secretive group of rich folks which has also been compared to a satanic cult and the Illuminati. It's thought to actually represent the organization, which is very big in Hollywood. This rumor is strengthened by the fact that Tom Cruise, the main face of Scientology, starred in the film. This is why Scientology wanted Kubrick dead. 
I'm hmm. pretty. If it was about Scientology, Tom Cruise is already into Scientology when this movie oh, was yeah, made. Yeah, they yeah. would never let him do that. No, he he would not have been. That that's where that one kind of doesn't make sense to me. No. Um, if if it was his explosion, because I don't think Tom Cruise is a stupid person by any means. Oh, there's people out there thinking it's anything. He's like a psychotic. Oh, I think he's crazy. But crazy doesn't mean you're stupid. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but yeah, and I mean, reading through the script, it, clearly it's if that's what it was, he would he would clearly be seeing uh, uh, correlations and would probably not have been in the movie, um, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, if it was basically a warning anti uh, Scientology, he would not have been involved. He would have been one of the first people out there saying how horrible it is. Yeah, not starring in it with his wife at the time. Uh, you ever seen that meme? You ever seen that video? It shows Tom Cruise running backwards through all his different. Oh movies? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, but now we're going to talk about the 24 oh, missing, the missing 24 minute scene. Okay. I found this on Reddit, so I'm just going to say I don't know how reliable these are. Right, right. But they right. actually kind of make sense once you read them. I found two scenes. This is what, it goes like this. There's a lot of theories. Some said it might contain a scene of rituals that is associated with real satanic cults, and the scene revealed the true nature of their ritual. Some said it contained cannibalism, human sacrifice, and pedophilia. That's what this whole scene is breaking down. But this is what goes in more. There's two different versions of this. The first one is, the missing scene shows a large room with all the above things going on, then slowly pans out from the room, going upstairs and through doors till we see the room is hidden under a building that looks eerily similar to the White House. Oh. That's one scene. Second scene. The scene, the missing scene takes place outside in a forest and is illuminated by large bonfires. The scene is shown through the eyes of Dr. Bill Hartford, the main character, as he sits on an ornate chair in front of a large owl. The camera slowly pans up till you see the lights from the bonfires and how there are other fires as well across America and the world. We are led to believe these fires are in California, D.C., Europe, Russia, and the largest fire is burning in Africa. Oof. And those... Oh, those would be really cool scenes. Let's be honest. And they, uh, there you go. He's like exposing stuff. If them, if them are actually these, these are speculative scenes. I don't know right. if this was twenty four minutes. Is what I just found on Reddit. But it makes you think. Like again, if these are, he's like pointing out stuff like a worldwide instead oh, yeah. of just one area. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's interesting. That uh, I really wish we knew what was cut. Yeah. Uh, to see. Like I said, we will probably never see it because those are probably gone. Yeah, they're probably in a fire. Somebody's furnace in the bottom of the apartment. No, that's that's pretty much gone. And I would imagine... Well, you never know. Maybe somebody has it for blackmail. Somebody may have it on my computer. uh, Right. (laughs) But there again, it's tucked away where we're never going to find it. No, it's actually Um, in a pew leg in a small country church. (laughs) Go back to the rock. No, the rock. Oh, yeah. Sean Uh, Connery. Yep, yep, yep. Ah, Damn. No, and I would like to imagine if, if uh, anybody who did work on it knew what those scenes were, after your boss mysteriously dies and those scenes are no longer in the movie, I would imagine you would probably go, you know what, I'm going <coughs> to... I'm not Probably just going to keep my mouth shut, because I'm a nobody. He, he's a world-tier director who yeah. had a heart attack. Um, so I'm just going to shut the fuck up and just go, eh, shake my head if anyone asks uh, that's what I would probably do at that yeah. point. Uh, so this is that it was our episode on Stanley Kubrick. Right. I 
So what are your final thoughts on Stanley? May he rest in peace. Yeah, I, I, I love his films. Like I said, there are a lot of them where there's... You take away what you want from them. Uh, I said, even stuff that seems as straightforward as, say, Full Metal Jacket. Now, most people remember the first half of that film, because that's the, the boot camp scene. Yeah. Arlie Ermey, uh, and, and just... It's the funnest part of the film. Uh, but the second half actually has a lot of... A lot more commentary on, on war and even race uh, at yeah. that time. Uh, just You're too big. You want this black yeah, mamba? Yeah. You're too big. Yeah, no, there's just uh, a lot of things I can't say on air. Uh, but That's about the only thing you can really say about that. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, it's just a... a, a I, I think movies like that are really kind of a, a good window into kind of how he viewed things in the world. Um, but even that one, there, there are little things you kind of take away your own things, mm-hmm. uh, depending on how you're the mindset you're going into that film, how you think, anyways. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I I think it would have been interesting to see what other movies we may have gotten from him. I mean, Grant, I don't know how much. I, I want to say it was such old, a, but yeah, but there's people that look how long George Burns lived, uh, right? And right. he was acting up to like the day before he died. Oh, yeah, uh, no. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's the idea of I think what would, we could have gotten. I think it would have gotten a more social commentary. Just like, well, yeah. I, I believe like the thought experiment. Shining was a thought experiment. Yeah. And he wanted to see how people take that. Then Full Metal Jacket came out next, right? Uh, yeah. 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 Full Metal Jacket, that said, hey, this is what I think about war. Yeah. Then he did, waited that long. He did Eyes Wide Shut. He's like, this is what's actually going on in a fictional story. I'm going to tell you what's going on behind right. the scenes. And... I think he would have done and kept going like on that route, possibly. Right? Yeah, it's. I, I don't know how much longer he would have waited to do another film, but I suppose I mean whatever struck him as as because he seems like a guy who basically would do a film once he'd gotten his name, he would do a film that he felt passionate about. Like I said, I, I bring up AI because he was the catalyst behind that film. But like I said, a lot of the emotional family issues of it. That wasn't his forte. He's like, that is not what I do. I want this story out here. This is what I want, but I can't do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just just how many other movies would he have helped push out uh, to other directors during that time too, uh, if he had kept going? Uh, I mean, end, end of the day, the dude's cinematography was is still one of the best. I mean, just straight, even going back to the 50 or 1960 with Spartacus, the action sequences in that, much like nine years later with 2001, at the time, people were like, how the hell did they do that and people not get killed in this chariot crash? Mm -hmm. I mean, because for not being really what you would consider a sci-fi horror guy, his effects and his shots were so ahead of everyone else at the time, it's just... There's a reason he's considered a legend. Yeah. I mean, it just absolutely... Look, any of his movies, just... Like I said, if you watch a lot of movies like I do and you understand camera and how this works and, and the staging of the shot, it, it's... Some of it's very non-classical, but it works with how he shoots them. Every every scene is, is a snapshot of almost perfection in a film, in my opinion. I, it's... it's the, the guy was fucking phenomenal. Like, I mean, it just... There, there's really good movies that I love. And then there, there's shit that's up here on the Stanley Kubrick level of... 
just it, it, if yeah. you want to be at a top level, yeah, you need to shoot something that looks like this. Yeah, and I don't know if anybody's ever really going to fully be able to to be the equal in in shots like he was. Yeah, because uh, it's just like I said, even just going to the shining, some of the weird angle shots and just how beautifully things are framed, going just from a top shot down the hallway of just seeing little bits of the wall and just that that repeating carpet pattern. And it's very much like a flyover, you know. Like in the very first scene in the movie with the lake. Yeah, and and it's just these phenomenal shots that you just, you you can't fake it and have them look that good. I mean, the guy had an eye, and this is what he did well. I mean, it's just... He, he's on a whole different level than most other directors. Uh, I mean, he, even other... Like, Christopher Nolan. I love Christopher Nolan stuff. And he does have his own uh, way he shoots things that I really like. Uh, Tarantino's another one that I absolutely adore his films. And he has his own way of shooting, too. But it, it's... It, it, it's... You just can't get... He's a, that Kubrick is, perfection. Kubrick is the gold standard all directors yeah, want to reach. I'll just, you, you can't that's just that's all, that's all you're yeah, going to say. It's, you can't touch it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, yeah, like whether you like the movies or not, a, a lot of them do have very distressing content. But there again, I think that's part of his view on life. They're, they're, yeah. Life is not pretty. Life is not easy. Easy and clean. Even Full Metal Jacket, you're, you're looking at a war movie. Even then, a lot of war movies, it was still pretty cleaned up. I mean, you had violent uh, Vietnam movies and stuff, but it, it showed a, a real edge that a lot of times at that point we hadn't seen. Uh, and it just, it, it feels like you are there out walking with these guys, and it's just unreal uh, how how freaking good everything he touched. And don't confuse it both with Apocalypse Now, with Frank, with Coppola. Yeah, Coppola. Uh, Because, yeah, that one and sometimes Raging Bull, people put in as one of his, but that was actually Scorsese. That was one of his early movies. Again, fantastic movies. Still, in my opinion, can't touch the the shooting Kubrick did. Uh, But, yeah, he's a a fantastic artist that I think was taken probably a little sooner than should have been. Well, he Uh, shouldn't have been messing with the Illuminati. Right. He shouldn't have been shining the light on the people who uh, are in power, man. Yeah, they're paying your bills, dude. But, uh, yeah, no, it's... Like I said, we we got 13 films. Five or six of which... He did did 13 full films. Uh, But, yeah, like I said, five or six of them are, are... must-watches on my list of, of if you're really going to look at movies, not just, oh, I like horror, but just overall fantastic movies. It, it's a who's who on his fucking list. And I'll say this much. The best time to watch The Shining is like in July when it's super hot out. <laughs> oh, it yeah, is. man. It, that yeah. and The Thing. That's like yeah, my question. Like in uh, July, yeah. I watch The Shining and The Thing. <laughs> yeah, I always, I always watch The Thing pretty much twice a year. I watch it in the summer when it's really hot and shitty, and I'm like, oh, I wish it was cold. And then I also like to watch it when it's blizzarding here because it is very similar to what they're dealing with. You're hearing wind <laughs> outside, and it's like, yeah. ooh, it's an extra level of creepy. It's also sub zero. Hell, it's probably actually colder here than it is in Antarctica. So, but yeah, no, it's. Uh, no, like I said, half of his movie watch list, in my opinion, straight up is a must-watch. Yeah. It's 
if you're someone who's like, oh, I love movies, and you've never watched Clockwork Orange, 2001, Full Metal Jet, you've never watched these, get off your ass and sit on your ass and watch watch these movies. Because <laughs> these are... Isn't that kind of an oxymoron? Yeah, get right. off your ass and sit on your ass. I am a moron, that is, that is for <laughs> sure. But yeah, no, I mean, it's just... They, they are a clinic in fucking filmmaking. Yeah. And, and you do a disservice to yourself by not having seen them if you say you're a movie fan and have never watched them. I don't like war movies. I don't give a shit. It's not just a war movie. You watch this movie. It is fantastic. Good acting with uh, Modine, Arlie Ermey. I mean, just all the way around. His films are just that good. In fact, half of these in the next week, I'm probably going to have to try and watch again because I haven't seen them for a while. But but yeah, no, it's, it's a sad deal. There's... There are a lot of things just with the weirdness of his movies and then the weird timing of his death that it just seems to spur on. Yep, uh, and the Hollywood Holly weird, Holly weird elite not promoting it. So. Right, and, and there again, that's a subject too that has become its own conspiracies mm-hmm. in the last two decades of, of how awful things happen in, in Tinseltown. You know, I mean, even the real ones we know that have happened are fucking awful enough, let alone think about what other devious shit has been going on there. But yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's fun to actually go back and look at his list of films and, and remembering pieces of these and just going, oh, God, yeah, that's such a good movie. So you're saying he did fake the moon landing? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Best piece he ever did. All right. Trust well, me. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else for these folks? I, I do not. Like I said, then most of you know I can ramble on about movies for fucking hours. We both can. So, so. But yeah, no, I, I got nothing, man. Just uh, stay cold out there. Yes, yeah, definitely fuck, stay cold. Fuck, man. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.